0: I'm recording, I'm recording For the podcast I work on To be posted, to be posted On the web, on the web
1: mm, okay. I can't do
0: a bit. I can't do that 40s, like, warbly
1: so lady why, voice
0: thing. So why? Well, man, like... Humans can't naturally fly, but Icarus and his father were like, but we must.
1: Bet. Like, but, but why? We are about to talk about a wealth of musical inspiration. And that is what you, Carter Glace, like wanted to do today. That's what you wanted for yourself today.
0: I literally looked at the Disney, the first soundtrack of the first Disney animated film, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and that is the first sung song by a character. I committed to history. To a hundred years of tradition, I say you have to go back to where it all started, Madame.
1: There were other songs... In that movie.
0: But that was the first!
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, Carter wins.
1: Sure, I can't take that away from you, I guess.
0: No, you absolutely cannot. Welcome to the Disney Desk, everyone. I'm Carter.
1: And I'm Sydney.
0: And we are back again at the end of another month to celebrate the Patreon's Choice episode.
1: woo Woo Yes, this is... I love doing these Patreon's Choice episodes. Um... We have so much fun over at our Patreon. I'm not just saying that we genuinely have a lot of fun doing all of our extras. Um, and one of the many perks of being a Patreon subscriber is that you get to vote on an episode that we record for our for the public version of the podcast. So um, if you want to vote, if you want to participate, um, if you want to have a say in what topics we cover, at least once a month. <laughs> then um, subscribe to our Patreon. Subscribe to our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/DisneyDesk for just three dollars a month. There are so many. There are three tiers that each have their own perks. But our lowest tier at three dollars is what unlocks your voting privileges. So if you're interested, go ahead and check that out.
0: Yes. Um, to give you a sense of what we've been working on for this month, our two main Patreon episodes were. Uh, a deep, angry review of the Lorax, uh, probably one of our more delirious episodes. And we also did um, what I believe we ended up calling So You Think You're a Disney Adult or something along those lines?
1: Yeah, the ultimate Disney adult trivia, which was so much fun. If you follow us on Instagram, you probably saw the hilarious clip um, of Carter attempting to (laughs) guess the names of Ariel's sisters. Um we yeah so, so as a bonus episode we play a game um we do so many deep dives mm. and, and things like that and there's also weekly content that we put out we put out little shorts every single week um so there is just a plethora of extras if you're not already sick of hearing our voices and you'd like a little more yes, um, patreon is the place to find it i will it.
0: say that trivia like that was the first time I've ever been tempted because of how shameful my performance was. Where I thought people lose audio files all the time; their computer just <laughs> acts weird, or like things get put in the wrong oh. folders, and then they just—I mm-hmm. literally—it was literally the meme. I think I said this to um, the one Facebook group I'm in, where I went like, it- "It's the meme of like, oh, I'm gonna record me beating this guy up. Yo, I got my ass beat. I'm not <laughs> posting that." <laughs> um, yes, yeah. but, uh, for this week, for the Patreon, uh, choice episode, we are talking about Disney music, a sort of casual conversation about all things lyrical and musicale, as they say in, um, high school musical.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, music is one of the largest pillars of of what makes Disney so iconic. It is a huge part of their legend, of of their success. And so we felt it was time to give some very specific attention to the Disney music that we love and some Disney music that we don't love so much and just about everything in between.
0: But before we dive in, it is time for yet another episode of Internet Minute. Gimme them horns. All right, what are you bringing to the table today, Sydney?
1: Okay, so this is slightly different than what I usually do. I feel like all of my internet minutes are just memes that I thought were funny. Um, this is actually an article. Let me just find it here. So, this is... I first saw this, this screenshot that I have. Um, is from... Instagram it is from the official Disney Parks Instagram page. Um it's titled Walt Disney World Attainable Housing Development opening in 2026 and the description reads Walt Disney World just revealed that groundbreaking on the previously announced affordable and attainable housing development in Central Florida is targeted for next year uh, with first units anticipated to be completed in 2026. Visit the Disney Parks blog for the full story. So I did a little bit of research on the Google-A. And yes, here's a deadline article. Disney to open affordable housing near Walt Disney World. Company notes after pounding by Governor DeSantis. Um. So, you know, this is really interesting because even in in, you know, maybe it's just me. But, like, when I see this, my first thought is, like, okay, what's the catch here? Like... My first thought actually is, like, for whom is this housing intended? Um, and none of these articles have, like, a specific answer for that, which to me indicates that it this is intended housing for the public, is my understanding. Like, because when I, you know, when I hear something like this, there's a degree of, like, exclusivity associated with Disney and certainly with, with like, previous... Um, Disney housing developments and there have been a a few in the in history um whether they be like multi-million dollar communities or communities specifically for the cast members of the parks in any event you know this kind of made me scratch my head a little bit um if this if this is just Housing for the public why is disney why why is Disney of all companies doing it? Um, but then you know my my understanding of this is just this is just like a, another chess move in the sort of Disney versus the state of Florida debate um that is or war I want to call it that is kind of going been going back and forth very recently in the news. Um, and I guess this is just getting my attention because I think back to like, you know, speaking of our Patreon, um, on our Patreon, one of our episodes is about my experience auditioning for the Disney company. Um, I almost had, a, I did have a contract offered. Um, this was right before the pandemic. Um, I was supposed to go work in Florida at, at Disney World Resort. And that obviously fell through in 2020. Um, But one of the biggest obstacles when approaching that was about relocating there and procuring housing there. And um, even in just my casual searches for like housing around Orlando, it was sparse. And for a company that is willing to tour the world to like recruit talent, they had no. Specified housing for 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 people that they were recruiting from all over the country and all over the world, um, except for if you were in the Disney College Program. Um, so all of this to say that like, I feel like Disney has like a lot of internal issues to be working out before sort of just building public housing. Like of like just building housing like for the right for the public. I don't want to call it public housing. It's not quite that.
0: But yeah, it's. Do you know what I this mean? This is literally the first I've heard about this. Obviously, there have been like Walt's grand scheme for Tomorrowland was literally to build the city of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the minute he died, they're like, no. So those blueprints are going back in the in the filing cabinets. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. not spend a lot of money on that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's. I hate to make everything about Chepik, but it really is funny that, like, all of this started because Chepik made those wishy-washy comments about the Don't Say Gay bill. Which, let's just say, with a, I, I like, I know we've been on a bit of a political streak lately, but, like, yeah, it's expanded to basically all of Florida's education system. We told you that was going to happen. Yeah. It wasn't just going to be K through 3. Um, but... Like, because he made his wishy-washy comments about, like, oh, well, we don't want to get political here, you know? We don't want to be divisive. And that basically caused a internal Division. rebellion for the company. <laughs> and now they have to, like... Disney would have loved... Like, most corporations would love to sit on the sidelines and not get into culture war stuff. Yeah. Most of them would like to play both sides and be like, oh, well, we donate to all politicians. But, you know, we believe in, like everyone getting along yep. and then you put up the pride stuff every June and then you right. take it down and that's all you really contribute to the conversation but now you can't like you yeah. don't it's do or die time and you know enough of these companies have run the numbers and said do let's do so you ha- you know the company has to at least nominally be about something so even if this doesn't get made it's a sort of point in their favor yes, yeah. because it's like See, we're helping our communities. We take care of people. Right. Um, Which also looks better in the context that the entire state is flooding, and uh, Mm. very little effort has been to remedy that issue. Right. Um, Yeah, like, I don't... I have very little positive to say in terms of the whole, like it's weird we do a Disney podcast yet we haven't talked about the state of Florida going to war against Disney right and my general stance for all of like the like we've seen the song and dance before in 2016 where we're like oh look at this clown look at this clown doing his clown dance (laughs) like oh what an idiot he's going to war against the house of mouse like the Mm big like the heart of middle America and I'm like yeah that's true but you understand people like him aren't Overly concerned about electability, right? Yeah, it's kind of in their political leanings that it's like hurt who you can get enough and get enough people who agree with that to join you. So and assume that the whole election thing can kind of just be done away with by the time you know you need to actually get in charge. Right, but I digress.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, Um,
0: just a weird thing from Disney.
1: I know, right? Like, but I. I couldn't ignore it, and I'm getting better at screenshotting things and thinking about it later. Right. Screenshot right. first, ask questions later.
0: Um, yes, but what if I, see, again, I bring the, like, I bring the fluff. It turns out I'm not the <laughs> hard-hitting journalist of us. I'm the I'm the gossip blogger. See, I'm it's the, weird
1: like, because I bring something that, to me, looks like a meme, but ends up being, like, an intense, like, political conversation. I'm just like, this you're is a, funny. You're two for two on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: then I turn it into a political conversation because, as right. my friends have noted, I'm the social equivalent of someone just running into a room. Um, <laughs> what is that? It's like. Uh, there's a, there's a comic of someone picking up funny meme, running into a room labeled group chat, and you see them having a serious conversation. It's like, yeah, it's one of the scariest moments of my life? And then the person the <laughs> me just winding back as far as they can to heave it. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of my energy. Yeah. Um, just thrown pipe bombs. Right. Um, yes, but... Well, my original post was going to be a tweet about the writer's strike, and I was going to go on a whole soapbox, but I'm like, eh, I, I did that last week. Let's put the soap... We can, there'll be time. The strike yeah. hasn't actually started yet. We have time for yeah. that. Um, so mine this week is a completely out-of-nowhere announcement in terms of the Disney, Marvel, Disney Plus space. Um, out of nowhere, uh, Disney on their socials posted a Daily Bugle article... On the Marvel Instagram, Daily Bugle, Spider-Man, swings on to Disney+. So that means that this April, we will be getting Spider-Man, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man starring Andrew Garfield, and Spider-Man Homecoming. Oddly, the only one of the MCU ones that will be on Disney+. Plus.
1: I am very excited about this. And this is tomorrow, right? Like, as of of the date of Um, recording this? Is it the 21st, or am I imagining Yes,
0: it it is the date. Tomorrow, we are going to have... Yes, uh, tomorrow we are going to have Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming, and possibly Venom. I've seen conflicting reports about that. But Mm. that is very funny that they would also be like, and Venom. Uh,
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) This is super exciting.
0: It is kind of like it's kind of a huge moment in terms of like the relationship between Sony and Disney because like the whole reason like the whole reason the MCU had to exist the way it did for so long is because to avoid bankruptcy in like the 70s and 80s Marvel sold the licensing rights to so many characters and Sony was you know Sony ended up with Spider-Man and basically the whole catch with that deal is they kept having to make Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. So then when Sam Raimi was taking too long to make Spider-Man 4, they're like, cheaper, simpler, Amazing Spider-Man reboot. And that's why Amazing Spider-Man 2 is so weird with like all of like the like, spin-off stuff material, where it's like, right. oh, look at this, Black Cat, um, Sinister Six. Like They literally had like a laundry list of films they were going to do to basically hold on to the rights. But then Amazing Spider-Man 2 kind of bombs, and they're just like... So so you want to you, uh, you want to want Spider Man? We can can we get yeah. joint custody? Let's, let's uh, talk. Yeah, the, the Spider Man, right? <laughs> um, and yeah, but then the one line they were holding was like, yeah, but the new Spider Man movies, like the Tom Holland Spider Man movies. It is funny that I frame the Sam Raimi ones as Sam Raimi's, and then I do the other two by after.
1: Tom Holland. And that's yeah. no
0: disrespect to Tobey Maguire. It's just like John Wan and Mark Webb are two perfectly talented directors. I think.
1: That says more about Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield as present as, as actors. Uh, than they it,
0: feel like the main creative drive, yeah. for lack of a better phrasing.
1: Right. Yeah, that's exactly where, what it is.
0: And, uh, like, again, Mark Webb and um, John Watts are perfectly talented directors. Right. they just, you know, they're not, a tur- like, Sam Raimi, is, like, when you're signing up for a Sam Raimi movie, you're going to see a Sam Raimi movie. Mm-hmm. Even if it happens to also be a Spider-Man or a Doctor exactly. Strange. Um, but, yeah, one of the lines was they were like, no, but you can't have these on streaming. Kind of on Hulu sometimes, but not always. Huh, like, interesting. streaming was the weird line they were holding in terms of, like, well, we're keeping the di- like the digital distribution rights. And the fact that they've made this sort of compromise deal, like, I'm curious. And it's also on top of the fact that, like, all the Spider-Man stuff is just getting fused together now. Because yeah. it's the dang multiverse. Right. It is so funny how much I love Into the Spider-Verse. But what it's done for, like, Spider-Man media is kind of disastrous in terms of, like, well, now everything's Spider-Verse. So the live-action ones have to be about the Spider-Verse. All the comics have some Spider-Verse element. And the one that's... There's a really persistent rumor going around that the next Spider-Man game... uh, You've seen the PlayStation Insomniac. Like, the most recent Spider-Man game. And then they had the one that was Miles Morales. Yeah. There's rumors that that's going to be Spider-Verse, too. And I'm just like... I want one pocket that is just regular Spider-Man, please. With Miles or Peter or Gwen, if you really want. Like, right. Just one corner where it's not, like, 12 different spider man Right. No, I get that. But at the same time, again, this is huge. Like, there is a generation who just grew up on the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, and now they are going to get to see the OG. That's so weird to think about.
1: Right? I don't know I don't know if I ever mentioned, but, like, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, like, Those were, like, actually a really huge part of my upbringing.
0: Oh, yeah, me too. Like, those were, like, the first event movies where it wasn't just taking the kids to the movies, where it's, like, Carter is seeing this movie.
1: Yeah, for me, that was one of my earliest memories of, like, gee, this movie is sure played on TV a lot.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, and there's the whole history about that where, like, FX would always do, like, the extended cut of Spider-Man 2 that adds, like, an extra 30 minutes
1: Mm. Um,
0: One of my funniest stories is So for the first Spider-Man movie I had to go to the bathroom during it And I forgot that As like a childhood memory So when I'd see it on TV There would be the scene Where Uncle Ben's in the car With Peter being like I know I'm not your father And they get in an argument And that's where you hear the line With great power comes great responsibility and for so long I was like, man, this is a really good deleted scene. Why do they why did they cut it from the film? <laughs> and then it's like, no, Carter, it was always in the movie. You went to go pee during the movie oh my and God. you didn't see that scene. <laughs> like the emotional core, like the like the right. core memory scene of Spider-Man. Yeah. You had cuz you were like you were 7.
1: That's really funny. <laughs>
0: I am curious to see like how much more sort of integration of the Sony stuff is going to come with this. Um, for now, it's just nice, like a really pleasant mid-spring surprise.
1: Right? It's always nice to see mom and dad getting along.
0: <laughs> and now back to your regular scheduled programming. All right, so we've given ourselves a bit of a broad topic here, largely, Disney music, and... I think when we have, like, really broad topics or topics that really involve nostalgia, which, as I'm saying that out loud, I realize is, like, 90% of the Disney Corporation. Right, yeah. Um, I want to talk about, like, in terms of growing up, what was the kind of Disney music, like, what are the core Disney musical memories that you have?
1: Okay, so the first one that comes to mind, and you're going to, like, roll your eyes at this probably, um, although I know that certain listeners of ours are going to love this, but the, specifically the Tarzan soundtrack by Phil Collins was in, was one of the CDs that was just like permanently in our car along with like a James Taylor CD and like probably one of my like Hillary Duff CD, like. We just, like, had... That was one of, one of the perks of being an only child. Like, I pretty much got to control the radio in the car, and we would just cycle through all these CDs, and we had, like, one of those, like, zip-up CD cases. <laughs> and one of them was um, the Tarzan soundtrack, and we used to listen to it all of the time. So a lot of my, like, long drives, you know, that you would... With any trip that we would go on when I was young, like, the soundtrack to that was often the Tarzan soundtrack
0: <laughs> were your parents into it or was it just yeah. what was there
1: yeah no my well, um oh yeah no they loved it like it's Phil Collins it's Phil yeah, Collins well,
0: <laughs> well i was going to save this angry duck di- should i just do the tarzan rant now or should i save it for later let
1: it rip like yeah go for it
0: okay uh, what so, there was a growing trend in the 90s Disney movies. Like, once you get past, like, like once you get to Hercules, they re- really push for having one song on the soundtrack be kind of adult contemporary. Like, something you could get Michael Bolton to just belt right. during the credits. And like they kind of do that now, but to a lesser extent. Like for example, Moana has another version of "You're Welcome." Like you know, they try it to, seems to get like, the main like one day. Celine
1: song. Dion, and like yeah, they yeah. they usually like the event ballad of the film. Then they get like the um like you know one of the high billing singers of the day um to cover it, and then that goes over the credits.
0: Right, and like it frustrates me because. Like one, it's a trend I don't really like, and I hate how they were like, "Well, what if we just do a whole movie like that?" And I'm like, "No, it's already a little much that it's one." Is song that what you think? Ad-
1: is that what you think of Tarzan? That's what you think it is.
0: Yes, because the whole point is, it's like, well, it's vaguely about the movie, but it's just broad enough that you can't actually, like, you could put it on the radio and not have it be like, "I'm a man who's an ape," and there's a bunch of apes but now there's a person like it's not specific enough that like it only works in the context of the movie.
1: Yeah. But that's totally different than like a celebrity covering one of the actual songs written for the, the film.
0: I mean, yes and no for Ow. me, because that's the whole point of the power ballads that it's like, eh, it's just broad enough that it can kind okay. of dip its toe in both lanes. And, like, when it does its own both lanes, that's fine. Like, Whole New World can work outside the context of Aladdin, for the most part. Uh-huh. Or, like, Go the Distance can work outside the context of uh-huh. the movie. But it still makes 100% sense in the context of the movie. Like, the songs, for me, like, it, it like it feels like a fan dub, almost. Where you're just like, oh, this is my, like, this is my musical interpretation of Tarzan, man.
1: Yeah, Except it's like... Except Trashing the Camp. It's so odd... That everything you're saying is true, and yet you have like the wrong perspective of it. <laughs> it's like I agree with everything you're saying, and that's why it's good.
0: I just mm, like I don't,
1: and and even if it, I, even if even if like there's, let's say there's some legitimacy to what you're to like your beef with it. It's good music. Do you object to them being good songs?
0: Uh, I mean, they're. Fine, Like, I think it's also just in terms of the Disney Renaissance, especially that late Renaissance era, I'm like, okay, between Pocahontas, Hunchback, Hercules, and this. And I guess Mulan, too, gets crowded in there. I'm like, I feel like that's, either Pocahontas or this is the weakest of the bunch. Mm, I don't know. Hunchback gets carried by having, like, one or two, like, mountain peaks mm-hmm. that overcome some of its valleys. But it's also, like, again, it's frustrating because, like, the whole point of the musical genre is that the characters are supposed to express the emotion by singing, and this is like the perfect movie for that. Because this is a musical. Getting into all these hike, high... yeah, but why not? Why is this arbitrarily the one they decided to not make a musical?
1: I don't fucking know, but it's good music, and <laughs> well, like, <laughs> it's
0: different this for is, the sake of different.
1: This is the this is the episode where I remember that Carter and I like have really different taste.
0: Yeah, we agree 99% of the time, but the 1% we don't, it is like night and day.
1: Yeah, and it's usually about like a matter of taste. Um anyway, enough about you being wrong about Tarzan. Um back to <sighs> my childhood.
0: <laughs> don't hide behind, don't hide behind our friend circle to get away with this.
1: Why? Because like, they all agree with more,
0: me? <laughs> no, we need more viewers so I can get an army behind me sure, to sure. overthrow this false king. That is Tarzan. Yeah,
1: uh, okay. You do that. Um, there's yeah, something else that I wanted to talk about in regard to my childhood. This is something that you may not know about. Um, maybe you do. Because I, I realize like a lot of things from my like little girl experience, you just know because you had a sister. But mm-hmm. um, are you familiar with the idea of Disney mania?
0: Vaguely. I might need a reminder, though. So...
1: Disney Mania is what I believe was Disney's response to Kids Bop. Um, except not sung by children. It was songs. It, it was it was all covers of Disney songs, right? So
0: Oh, it's all coming back to me
1: now. Yes. It was but it That's was by That's where you by, stay,
0: Celine Dion. Get out of Disney.
1: But it was sung by like the you know, the Disney Channel, a lot, mostly Disney Channel celebrities yes, of the day. So you had, like, your Hillary Duff's and your Aaron Carter's and, like, Raven Simone covered some. Christy Carlson Romano would sing Colors of the Wind. So, like, they were, they had multiple CDs, like, multiple editions of this like, one through five or something like that. I, I definitely... I had a bunch. Like, every time a new Disney Mania came out, I had it. It was, like... It was the first CD that I got on my Walkman. When I got a Walkman in probably the year 1999. Um, <laughs> and it was, like, the first CD that my parents bought me for it. Um, and... It would like... They, I, I had every single Disney Mania CD, but it was essentially, like, Disney Channel stars. And there were other, like, teeny bopper bands, like the Jonas Brothers. Even, like, those really 90s ones, like S Club 7 and Jump 5, like, used to cover Disney songs, like, from the films. So, but, but it was just, like, all in a CD. So, um, yeah, that was, those were a huge part of my childhood. And I was wondering if like maybe Isabel like listened to them or that or if or if you like knew about them. Oh, at all. we
0: definitely, I definitely remember those. We definitely either had an album or would go to like on demand where they'd have like the little music videos for them. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That was a huge part of my childhood. I feel like I spent so much time in the car as a kid, so I feel like most of my, you know, Disney music experience is is through the 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 lens of like, driving somewhere.
0: That's interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's... Like, the funny thing is, I don't have as many musical memories as I thought I did. Like I said, we were one of those kids who just always had it playing in the background. So, like, most of my memories are very hazy about the specifics. Mm. But the songs that I do remember being very prominent were from Jungle Book, Lion King, and then, like, a lot Mm. of Disney Channel stuff. Like, like I said, growing up, like, Jungle Book was one of my favorites. So that soundtrack like that's the one that i would repeat and i hate to admit it tarzan was there too but that's because it was just like the one i grew up with because that was like our age Mm -hmm. bracket and also like again that was one of the ones that was okay for boys to like you know
1: right like of course
0: so of course i want to be like you hakuna matata are like the two big ones that i like right actually knew as a kid Uh, Mm. like of course those are the ones that i would know like, this was pre-Carter's Into Musicals, so, like... Right. You know, I wasn't really thinking about the music in any context. Right. What's funny is, like, I could remember every single image from uh, uh, Zero to Hero, and yet, ask me to name a single lyric from that at age, like, 10, I wouldn't. I, like, I wouldn't right.
1: know. Right. See, I was... I was the opposite. I was very... I listened to so much music as a mm. kid, but I... I was also, like, my I don't know. I was exposed to, like, classic Hollywood films really young. We used to watch a lot of Turner classic movies. And, like, so I think I was exposed to the musical, like, as a genre mm-hmm. really early on in my life. Because um, that was just, like, the preference, uh, you know, of my mom. Um, we were and still are devoted to Julie Andrews as a woman so (laughs) um so Mary Poppins was like a big one in terms of like singing along um at home watching something um speaking of like you know you told that story earlier about like young Carter missing a whole scene in Spider-Man and that and being confused about it forever I have like a similar story that like when I was in kindergarten-ish, I think my kindergarten must have had a, a tape of Aristocats, and I guess that was, like, the first place that I saw it, and, like, my mom always tells a story that, like, for that whole year, like, I would come home singing, um, the lyrics vaguely of what I knew to Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, and she would be like, what are you saying? And she had no idea what I was talking about, and it was just, like, toddler gibberish for a while, like, when your kid is just, like, saying something, you're like, okay, like, I don't know what you're talking about. And it wasn't until I was, like, in high school. Like, whenever, well, one of these days we're going to have to talk about the concept of the Disney vault and, like, when things would cycle through the vault. So, like, years later, oh, okay. when I was probably in middle school or high school, there were commercials for the Aristocats again having its, like, so-and-so anniversary. And my mom had, like, a very, a full, like, that So Raven flashback. Of being like, oh my God, that's the song. <laughs> that's the song that you sang as a kid, and I had no idea what you were ever talking about.
0: What's so funny is I'm literally picturing, because like your mom, I, I see your prof- your mom's profile picture on Instagram, and I'm just picturing that, but with like the crazy whip pan and zoom
1: in. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I was. I was into music a lot as a kid. And, and specifically, the music was a big appeal to me of um, Disney Disney movies.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting because... Like, I feel like our generation... Like, especially because we were, like, at the tail end of the Renaissance into, like, the Ditch period. Um, like, where... Well, one, they weren't doing musicals in general. But they ones they were doing weren't popular... So I feel like so much of our, like, relationship with Disney music is, like, both the Disney channel and, because we came in right at the high school musical era. Like, we were the generation that that hit first. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I, that is a big core memory for me. Like, everyone was singing from the High School Musical 1 soundtrack. Like, people were learning the dance moves to it. Mm-hmm. Like, people were at, like, talent shows were doing it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that kick-started a whole thing with, like... Like, after that, it's like, oh, all the Disney Channel have mu- uh, movies have to have some kind of musical element. Right. So that's how you get to Camp Rock. That's how right. you get, like, so many different, like, Lemonade Mouth, which I guess is a little past our time, but it's still yeah. the central the g- same general ballpark. Right, exactly. Um, And also just, like, so much of my musical reference is, like, the Disney Channel at the time. Yeah. Like, the death, not just the themes, like, the Zack and Cody and That's a Raven themes, but, like, whenever they would get, like, musical guests and they would do something. Yeah. Or, like, the Cheetah Girls. Mm. Like, it is so weird how, like, whatever 10-year period you are from, like, 5 to 15 can completely alter what your perspective of Disney music is.
1: Right, exactly. You know, that's that's so interesting because, like, um, today on, on Twitter, somebody started a thread about the, like, Disney D- Disney Channel having its 40th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And under it, they were like, drop your favorite Disney Channel, like, song. Like, what's your favorite song from Disney Channel? And it was weird because it was like I was seeing people from, like, between Gen Z and, like, different places along the millennial scale posting what they thought was the epitome of Disney channel music. And like some of them were from high school musical one. Some of them were from like the, the recent stuff with actors I, I didn't even recognize. And, but every like we're not, it's so funny that like, I don't see us being as, as that far different in age. And yet we all have these like vastly different vantage points of, like, what describes Disney's music.
0: Right. And, like, obviously there's a big difference between the movies and the TV because the TV goes so much for chart-topping. That's, like, their yeah. bread and butter. Right. Like, you know, they tried to make every one of those poor... Well, poor I mean, I they guess are it poor. who you ask, but yeah. every one of those damn kids... Right. Like, like, tried to make them a pop star. Yeah, they started their and, own like, record label. Yeah, and, I mean, like, for every Selena Gomez and, like... Um, Zach Efron. Well, I guess Zach Efron doesn't really do that much music anymore even then.
1: He didn't do like, any at all. There are so many yeah. more...
0: Yeah, there's so many more failures than successes on that front for a number of reasons.
1: Because I don't think they ever intended... I don't... I always got the impression that they didn't really want to be doing music. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> I mean, it's even... And then it's like also Nickelodeon's like, well, we can do that too. And that was even sadder. Like, yeah. Yeah. But we don't need to get into that uh, freaking nightmare. Um, But yes, as growing up, so like now I'm all in on musicals, so I like you Mm -hmm. know really try to engage with like the Disney form in musical form. Right. And I was going through some of the movies again, and it really is amazing that like every like so the musical era, for lack of a better word, really starts with Little Mermaid. That's when it's like let's bring in Broadway people, let us structure them like. St- like theatrical musicals mm-hmm. like you know have the I want song have you know follow all the beats to a T and build up to something right and then just add a boss fight at the end because you know let the animators flex
1: do you think Little and Mermaid? So just, do you think that's the Little mermaid similar to high school musical is like sort of a part of the blueprint for the flow of Disney movies in, in terms of establishing like here's an I want stuff song here's a villain song. Um, it, would that be the first one that really followed that structure that led to literally every other film after it, following that exact same blueprint?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, ones before that have the pieces, like, you know, there's Wish Upon a Star, there's, like, you know, the first song in Snow White, as I'm reticent to remind the audience, is, like, right. I'm wishing. Like, th- like, the bones are there, they're just not in the right structure,
1: yeah it's just fragments of it like they just sort of give the, the the princess has always had an i want stuff song um and that was sort of it like i don't even know yeah. i don't even know that i would call a movie like snow white a musical i i'm honestly reluctant to i, mean, I would call yeah, it what the- just like music that's just in universe
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what one of the points I wanted to make. Like, a lot of these early ones, especially, like, Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, like, they have music, but it feels, like, in that almost, like, proto-musical way. Like, a part of this is, like, I'm doing a lot of research on Broadway history for a big project I'm working on with some people. But, like, you know, before there was the musical, like, when Broadway technically existed, but we didn't have a structured plot-based musical, Mm -hmm. like, we had a lot of, like, we had a lot of, like... Um, like actors showcases or like vaudevillian shows where it would be like there's the plot and then we'll occasionally break up the plot with a song Mm -hmm. like a popular song that can play on the radio that kind of just shows off like can kind of relate to the story but it's broad enough like you know it can work as a chart topper and also a song in the context of this little skit or vignette Um, and it was basically a way of like showing off the performer to be like And they can sing, fellas. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not until we get to Little Mermaid where it's like, oh, these songs are specifically and strictly to enhance the the story, move the plot forward, or to flesh out characters. Right. Um, I guess, like, here's a big question: What is your favorite like genre of Disney song? Like, in terms of like villain songs, I want songs, the romantic song, ballads. Because I have a very specific answer for this.
1: I would have never thought of that. Um, that's interesting. I I need to think about my answer. What's what's yours?
0: <laughs> well, because as I was going through all these, I really began to appreciate, I'm that loser who loves the opening, what I've called, like, the workman song, or the tone mm. setting song. Yeah. So, like, Arabian Down in New nights, Orleans. Down in New Orleans, exactly. Um, another good example, Fathoms Below, even like the virginia company i was going
1: to bring that one up i love the virginia company song
0: like it sells a much better version of the film than the one i think we end up getting right. because it's basically a parody song they're talking it is. about like oh we're going to this die is but is going great. to be
1: great for this company <laughs> they we're say there's going money to get in it
0: for by us. yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll get a little bit of gold we'll probably we get we don't really know but or get a hatchet here to the we hand. go <laughs> But it'll be good for the company, and that's what matters. Yeah. Yes, like I love those songs because, like, the success of Disney really underlines how hard it is to make musicals. Like, both in the sense of like musicals move so fast, you have to get the audience to buy in literally in the first like five minutes. You don't mm-hmm. have 10 to 15 to set up the inciting incident, you gotta sell. Like, you gotta sell this world, you gotta sell the rules, you gotta sell the tone and the vibe and the energy, all in like five minutes worth of music at the beginning. Right. Otherwise, they are just not going to click with it. And that's right. like the difference between the good Disney musicals and the bad ones. Right. Um, like, a I, I slightly same but different example is like Timper and Sweeney Todd, pointedly, they did not market it as a musical for some reason. So then, after you get through the whole like overture, they because they don't do the whole attend the tale Sweeney Todd which is so critical for the stage musical because it's like it gets you into this headspace of like oh you know the you know the the working class of England have all these like folk tales of like demons and terrible people and Sweeney Todd is one of them um, they don't have that so when Johnny Depp out of nowhere after like f- f- like ten minutes of movie just goes and there's no. Like, people apparently lost their minds. Like, they were like, it was one of the biggest Friday to Saturday drop-offs because all these people who thought they were seeing, like, another Tim Burton Johnny Depp movie were like, what the fuck? It's a fucking musical? Mm. It's a musical. And it's like, yeah, if you don't sell people on the idea of, like, singing is cool and, right. like, this world is musical, you're just going to lose them. Right. Obviously, Arabian Nights is one of my favorite Disney songs because I think it does such a good job of just getting you in the right headspace of, like, this fantasy Arabia. Um Uh, Like, one of the more recent ones, I think the most underrated song in the Frozen soundtrack is Frozen Heart. Because, again, it gives you the entire, it sells you on the entire pitch of the movie. Which one is that?
1: Is that that their, like, workman's song?
0: Yes, that is when they're cutting through the ice Mm. and talking about, like, how brutal the cold is. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, one of my favorite Disney songs, and no one remembers it. The
1: Frozen soundtrack is, like, for as ambiguous of a place as it is, they're sort of good at establishing some sort of ethnic identity
0: with it. Yes. I mean, it's also part of, like, so many of them, it's, like, setting you up in, like, the time and place. Yeah. Which is also good. But, again, that's a part of, like, selling you on it. And, obviously, the ultimate example is Gospel Truth because Gospel Truth is, like, well, that's not just a good, like, five-minute song. That's, like, 15 minutes of movie that's all singing Mm -hmm. and just telling you the entire, everything you need to know and getting you into the mindset. And, like, we talked about this on our um, Hercules episode we did for the Patreon. But, like, you start with this, like, big, pretentious, like, Long ago, in the age of here, like mm-hmm. Charlton freaking Heston is narrating about the importance of a hero, and then out of nowhere, these like muses come out of nowhere and just start vibing, right? And rocking, and you, immediately it's a completely different tone. Right, but your brain is like, oh, oh we, here we are, we got, yeah, this. Here up. we go.
1: Right, that's so interesting. Um, uh, I, I don't, you know, I love a good I want stuff song, but what mm-hmm. I love almost Slightly more is a good I want stuff reprise.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. That would have been my number two choice. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, I have always been attached to the reprise from Aladdin where he's alone. um Like, yes. after, what, what is, oh, it's after his run-in with that. Um... Yeah. What does he say One, to that man? He's like. I've never seen a horse with two rear ends. I remember thinking that joke was very, like, scandalous as a child. Um,
0: but... Energy, uh, then the era went poor.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but then when, sort of, he escapes to um, what is his home <laughs> that he has kind of made, and it, like, looks over this gorgeous, like, s- skyline, if you will, of Agrabah, um, where he sort of simultaneously, like, Lives in the ugliest and the most beautiful place at the same yeah. time. Um,
0: That's the quality of a good street urchin. Everything they do is the most romantic thing imaginable, but right. it's also like, how how have you gone on like this for so long?
1: Right. Um, there's, um, it's just one of those like pure tear jerking moments for me. Um, a good a good reprise is sort of more emotionally touching then then even the uh, i want stuff song by itself when they sort of mm-hmm. dig their heels in um to what it is that they were standing on in the first place
0: oh i i couldn't agree more um literally again two of my favorite like little like disney songs are reprises particularly mm. part of your world
1: oh that's where it's one the of the line. best one
0: Maybe one of my favorite bits of lyricism in any Disney song is, I don't know where, I don't know how, but I know something's starting right now. And I think that gets to why the reprise works so much better. Because, like, the I Want song is that you're, like, just, like, sitting there, wistfully looking at a window. Once mm-hmm. the reprise starts, it's like, we're on a journey. We are going to go get it. And you and you as the audience, because you've already come to, like, this character, are like, fuck yeah, let's go get it. Let's right. do this. Who do we got to kill? Yeah. What, what, what do we need to get? What are we doing? Yeah. What, yeah, what's the magic thing we need to solve this problem? Let's
1: go. Right.
0: Um
1: Do you have like a um, or, like speaking, you know, on the topic of of these songs, like did you give an example of, of your favorite world building song? Is it is it Agraba for you?
0: It's either Arabian, or Nights, Arabian Nights or sorry? Frozen Hearts.
1: Right. For me, like my favorite Oh well, I did say the Aladdin reprise is my favorite reprise, but And part of your world. But my favorite I want stuff song, honestly, and as much as I love everything about Princess and the Frog, my favorite I want stuff song has been um, Waiting for a Miracle from Encanto. It is absolutely like it lights a literal fire like under you.
0: I was going to argue that might be one of the most underrated songs in all of Disney Dumb. Yeah. I love that we started this episode like at each other's throats about Phil fucking Collins. Yeah. About people. <laughs> and now we're just like, you're right, bestie. Yeah. Girl boss. We are oh, so yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aren't we just better than everyone? Yeah. <laughs> and on the same page. Exactly. Um, it's
1: always been like this.
0: <laughs> what, are, what are we? Uh, we are the podcasting team saving humanity. Yeah. What's that gross meme with the weird couple. I don't know. <laughs> Someone will get that joke and yeah. be like, that's the funniest thing anyone's ever said. Yes, <laughs> um, But yes, it's genuinely the most, like, it's so underrated for me. Because it gets lost because there's so many good songs in, in Kanto. And so many of them are for an individual character.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, and it's just, one, it's good because it re- it's also, it's weirdly a reprise too. Because it's like a reprise of Family Magical.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's Which, like that's the magic of Lin Manuel Miranda. Is he is the master of the motif. He is the master of yes. taking a bit of this song and hiding it in another song later. And if you're and um, what's it called? And if you're if you're a real academic, <laughs> then you hear it and you're like, aha! Yes, I'm very intelligent and I know the symbolic significance of this.
0: Yes, this man is a master of storytelling. Yes, like I know <laughs> Lin has kind of gotten. I wouldn't say his reputation soured because he's just as powerful as ever and people still like him. But I do feel like the sort of like golden sheen he had during the peak of Hamilton before like it became uncool to like America again has mm-hmm. kind of gone by the wayside. But like for so long, Disney has been looking for like era parents to sort of the Ashman-Mankin combo. And I would argue him um, and like Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, them and Lynn are kind of like actually really good era parents because... Mm. The Lopez's are really, really good at like, like bangers and lyricism and like generally good music. And Lin is just a master technician. Like he's a film, or like he's a theater nerd. He's the ultimate theater kid. Like
1: mm, Hamilton right, for right. all of
0: the stuff it does different. It's like a strictly musical musical in terms of its right. structure, pacing, and flow. And that becomes apparent in like Milana and Encanto where he just like is constantly using bits and pieces that he set up to create emotional payoff.
1: Right, exactly.
0: And I like and I like the economics of Family Magical. You could argue that's, like, a tone-setting Workman song. But it's also it kind of an I Want song. Because the whole end of that song is her being like, well, I'm still special.
1: What, a Family Magical?
0: Yeah, because, like, the whole really? end of that song is them being like, well, what's your gift? And her having to be like, uh. And, and she avoids it. And then into... and
1: then Dolores is like, oh, no, she doesn't have one. And, and that's then the, the end. And then,
0: like... And the fact that they play on that opening, those opening notes in her actual I Want song, I think fuses them together in a really creative, cool way.
1: Right, um, yeah.
0: Where they kind of become a joint I Want and Workman song because they set like the tone and like our emotional stakes. Mm. Um, what would you say is an underrated Disney song?
1: Oh, God. You know, a lot of... You know what? I know exactly what it is. Um, it's one that probably a lot of people don't know um, because I feel like this is a film that people don't talk about very much at all, which is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, right. For me, I have always been so in love with the song um, God Help the Outcasts. Ooh. Um, it's just always <laughs> spoken to me, but I, I am always going to be attracted to things that kind of like... Um, really ho- challenge the church and like sort of Christianity as a practice um, for my own personal reasons. Um, but that, but I, I, that that song was always like really affirming for for me personally of her being like, um, "Gee, never thought I'd be here asking for help, but here I am, and um, I don't even fucking know if you're listening <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> or if
1: you exist." But, you know, all of these people around me um, are here for totally selfish reasons, and I just want my race of people not to be eradicated, okay?
0: Yeah, it's—I mean— It is funny because I feel like our generation talks about Hunchback and Hercules and Tarzan endlessly. It really is like the Phantom Menace thing of like, well, the generation who grew up with these things are always going to love these things and are always going to, and we talked about that too much in our Star Wars episode, but yeah, (laughs) God help the outcasts is a really, really good one. Um, Yeah. It's, it's weird that the, the highly caricaturized Disney animated movie is probably one of the more tasteful depictions of Romani in any of the Hunchback media. Um, I will say though, I do like, um, I don't know if you've ever listened to the soundtrack for the Broadway or, well, it never came to Broadway, but the stage version of Hunchback gives her another great song that goes really well with, it's called tambourine and it's like the scene where she's dancing Mm. and there's a really good bit between Frollo, um, Quasimodo and whatever that himbo's name is where all of them are singing about who is she, um, Mm, and like their different emotional states. Um, and I also had a funny follow up to the Aladdin one because I agree with you. That's a great sort of reprise. Mm-hmm. But originally, he kind of had a different "I Want" song.
1: I've heard so it. Original. It was on yes. one of the Disney medias, sung by Clay Aiken.
0: Yeah, where Proud the of your boy.
1: initial script had him having like living parents or something. Yeah.
0: Yes, his mom was still alive, and she sings "Proud of Your Boy." And allegedly that is where the proud boys got their name because when they found out that Excuse? song got cut, they were like, Disney of all, these wokesters don't want boys to be proud of themselves. And it's like, no, it was literally Jeffrey Katzenberg was like, the moms, the, we don't need the mom, ask the mom. And yeah. they're like, okay. Um, what do you think is an overrated Disney song? Like what's, what's one that you're tired of here? What's one that if you ever heard again, it would be too soon.
1: That's Interesting. Um, for, you know what? I am going to not just a song, but an entire movie and an entire, (laughs) and it's it's soundtrack in its entirety. Yeah, you probably know exactly what I'm going to say, which is Frozen 2. Um, Frozen 2? I
0: thought you were going to say Frozen 1.
1: No, actually, I find myself singing along very loudly in the car to Frozen 1. I'm content with Frozen 1, but if, like, if I were to throw away... I, I would throw away something from Frozen 1 and it would be the summer song. And it wouldn't piss me off as much if they didn't really have any better ideas for Olaf as a character. And they didn't just copy and paste it for the second one. It, it truly pissed me off like more than I thought it would for me to be like... So we didn't try at all for Olaf. Like We're not going for anything new or different with this movie
0: actually it's classic sequel it's classic sequel idol uh, it's classic sequel itis where you're like well obviously you're going to build on every character that the audience loved and it's like yeah but we have to introduce new characters and new stuff so like someone's gonna be someone's going to it's like um mordo in doctor strange there's always going to be someone who kind of just gets the short end of the stick in terms of character development
1: Mm. as we
0: progressively get through sequels Oh, you could argue Bucky's there too, in terms of Captain in terms of like Marvel metaphor. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, why is this character never getting flushed out in the sequels? Right. Why are they just like why are they just but static?
1: I don't even know that I need him to be like flushed out. I would have preferred him to not sing in the second movie. Why did we just make why did we just rewrite the same song?
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. That movie and we've talked about this. This movie that movie's fucking weird. Like, like something it. clearly went lob, like wacky to backy on that um, movie right. where it's like whatever movie they set out to make did not end up being the movie they make.
1: No, um, no.
0: And like I feel like pound for pound, I kind of think Frozen 2 has more individual bangers, but they don't help the story at all. Like, really? I actually really like Some Things Never Change, and I like Lost in the Woods. And, but I'm mm. like, what does this help us? What do we gain from this? Where are we going? What does this build? Yeah. Whereas, like, every song in Frozen, even the troll one, is carefully building something. Right. And that's how you get, like, the ending of the movie that's actually really subversive and creative. And right. you're like, we earned this. This ending we earned. Whereas all these other songs, I'm like, they don't really tie into the themes at all. They're just kind of there because we want more Frozen songs. Mm-hmm. What so about, I kind of agree with you on that front.
1: What about you? What's your answer to that?
0: <sighs> this is my... Well, Tarzan would be my number one, obviously. But, like... Oh, right. I hate to say it. I've really... I've kind of grown out of love with Lion King. And maybe that's just because it's the one I grew up with the most. Yeah. And, like, it's interesting that we're framing it mostly by the Disney musical ones. Because it's like... I could say... Yeah, sure. I could say the music in Cinderella. But it's like, well, the music's superfluous anyway. So who, who cares? Right, yeah. Like... Yeah, I just, I think, like, again, for me, like, really good Disney music straddles, like, oh, it can be played anywhere, but also it works for the narrative. And I'm like, I just can't, like, I don't really listen. It's hard to listen to any of the Lion King music outside the context of the movie. And again, I I think it has the weakest villain song. Mm-hmm. And, like, again, I think it's, like, childhood overplaying of Akuna Matana that's kind of made me fall out of love with it. Um, yeah Can You Feel the Love Tonight, I think, is the most overrated Disney song in history. That is, like, Elton John might as well have sung it. Like, that's how, like, I'm like, I do not care for the, like, that's yeah. Tarzan level for me of, like, you just made a song.
1: Yeah, yeah, straight up. Um, you know what's weird? Hakuna Matana is the only song from The Lion King that I'm, no, that's not true. I was going to say Hakuna Matana is the only song from that soundtrack that I am still willing to listen to as an adult, but I, I am a sucker for some I-just-can't-wait-to-be-king.
0: Yeah, that's, the, like one that one. that's like the one I still love. That's the one where I'm one like, I'll listen to that whenever.
1: Wherever. <laughs> Put it on the car. everywhere, all day. All at every once. Day of the week. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the different, the live I action and the regular wait. version at the same time.
1: I can't wait to be king, if I'm being perfectly honest.
0: Right? You know? And, and like, I'll eat crow when my dad gets trampled to death. Right. <laughs> I think also that meme has kept it alive in my head of, like, you literally just did, like, a five-minute... Uh, bop about wanting to camp Waiting for this I moment I just
1: can't wait for you to die <laughs> And <laughs> And then Oh Christy. fuck he died not like that
0: no, not, no. yeah. No, wait, that's not what I meant. Wait,
1: wait. You didn't say he was a This is evidence now. I thought I would just be king. <laughs> I didn't think he was And would when have Scar's like, this is
0: your fault. He's like, oh, fuck, that's no, evidence. No. They were all there. How many other animals do I have to kill to cover <laughs> this up? How many elephants? <laughs> there was a lot of flamingos. <laughs> oh, Christ. oh, shit. Oh, man. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> um,. As we're sort of bouncing around, in terms of non-Disney, in terms of Pixar... I mean, obviously, You Got a Friend of Me is, like, the formative song for my generation of kids, but...
1: Oh, you know what? From Toy Story, I love me some Randy Newman, but I always loved... He has this song called Strange Things, that song during that, like, that cycle when Andy's moving on from... Yeah, and his, like, bedspread is different... And I was like, what a good storytelling song. What a good montage of Woody being phased out.
0: <laughs> you know what it is? Like, Randy Newman is the flip side of the coin for Phil Collins for me, where I'm like, they are objectively doing the same thing. But I feel like it works so much better here. But that's also because Pixar doesn't have characters sing. So my brain is like, that's true, well, yeah. And I feel like they work with the story better. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's also because I'm spoiled because one of the biggest emotional payoffs for any franchise for me is when Woody's watching Woody's Roundup and right mm. when he's about to abandon his friends we have Puppet Woody on TV playing You Got a Friend with Me mm. and he realizes everything he's done wrong. Um, is
1: it not hilarious that You have Got a Friend in Me is like their, the Toy Story in-universe version of like Moon River?
0: <laughs> it's a little funny.
1: <laughs> I don't like that scene like why did I rewatch that as an adult I'm like gee this is very <laughs> something about this is like meta
0: yeah um <laughs> but I was just gonna say Coco um remember me is like one of the best examples in oh, all of Disney about like storytelling through song because we get like four different versions of it
1: and mm-hmm. each
0: one has like a different a emotional different state.
1: meaning, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, that's what we were talking about with like um that's what we were talking about with um Lynn's stuff, where it's like using one melody to pay off in like seven different ways, right um like it worked, like I said in our villains episode, it works as a villain's song inexplicably,
1: yeah, in a weird way. um you know what speaking of Pixar while we're on the topic of Pixar i I would be remiss. To not bring up the Incredibles score, um, right? Do you remember when our I? Someone will have to correct me if I'm wrong. I believe our jazz band, our high school jazz band, won an award. Oh yeah! Did they not like compete with that score? Um, I'm pretty sure that they did. I had so many. We'll we'll have to consult Callum about this. Our resident yeah. band nerd. But
0: yeah, well, our our marching band gets invited to Disney a lot, so it's not out of our the realm marching of band.
1: Like, we haven't talked about this, but our marching band is low-key, like, famous.
0: <laughs> yeah. I do love that we're always <laughs> so careful not to over... Other than giving our last names and occasionally your middle name. Right. Um, like, we try hard not to dox ourselves. But, like, if you just pick up on context clues yeah. when we talk about our high school, you could probably figure you it out. You could
1: tell easy. exactly where we are. Yeah. <laughs> um. But anyway, like, they... I remember one year, um, like, our high school's jazz band um performed like a whole piece or I don't know, like the, one of their concert series was just the Incredibles soundtrack. And I think they <laughs> competed with it. Um and it was like, I remember them talking about it a while, but like I have always like, I love the Incredibles so much mm. um because I loved the sort of like ambiguously like 60s, 50s, yeah. like mid century lines like that this like mid-century architecture and design and stuff like that yeah. and this, it's everything
0: like, cool about 20th century america yeah synthesized into a movie
1: and i love a good espionage like soundtrack it's like the soundtrack is more espionage than it is superhero until we get and to it in, works. and it works so well and um we haven't talked about um you know incredibles 2 is is what's the word for it? Um, polarizing to say the least, but
0: yeah. I feel like we have different opinions on that one.
1: We, we do because I happen to love it. But one of the things I love about it is that they actually put lyrics to, um, they, they gave each hero like in universe, a theme song and they're so perfect. And like, can we just like take a minute to talk about those, I those for- three I literally forgot about that. that they tacked on to the end and they, they play them during the credits of the film. Um, for Mister Incredible, Elastigirl, um, and, and Frozone, and I've always loved that. Like,
0: I've Elastic always loved Elastigirl. Yeah, her arms <laughs> right. Like, pow, pow, pow.
1: Well, no, that's like Mister Incredibles is is the pow, pow, pow song, and I love that. Oh, yo,
0: oh, getting them mixed up. You're right. I
1: love that his one is just like yeah, his job is to punch things. <laughs> that's what he does. Uh, he's, he's Mister Incredible. Punches. Yeah, ca- yeah. His his lyrics are Mister Incredible catching the bad guys. Pow! 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 Pow!
0: Pow! Pow! I was getting the two. <laughs> yeah, stretching her arms. Stretching her arms, and then I forget that.
1: Yeah, here oh, comes we elastin elastin girl. Girl. the lasting girl. Stretching her arms. Um, um, no girl. one's beyond her reach.
0: No ones. Be- yes, there it is. Yeah. The only one I don't remember at all is Frozone's. Which is I'm say- be- like I could probably guess. That's based the one. On, like, context.
1: I've always loved that one because I'm like, oh, finally they're acknowledging that he's black. Like they don't really <laughs> make any like for this to be like kind of like this is like if this were in the real world, this would be like mid segregation, and they just like yeah. just this that's just the most ambiguous part of this movie. Yeah. But they give him also- like a proper like shaft like groove. Right. And it's, yeah. like, it's like it's the weirdly only context sexy. He's
0: allowed to get away with being a black man who commits acts of vigilanteism exactly. for like a decade. <laughs> is that he's kind of Shaft esque? Yeah, sort of into that question mark.
1: Yeah, like he has like a full song with with verses and like a real chorus. <laughs> like, um, and his like his it's just about being cool. Like he's always cool. That like that's the hook of that song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, see, as you're saying this out loud, I realize I think that's the difference between Disney and Pixar. Like. Disney's musical music is largely... um, So non-diegetic means, for the audience, like, music that exists outside the reality of the movie. So when Ariel just starts singing, like, logically, like, in reality, she's not singing. That's, like, a flourish. Like, scores are not diegetic. That's stuff that's existing outside the world for our, like, enjoyment, basically. Right, exactly. Whereas diegetic (laughs) is something like that Incredibles song, where it's like, yeah... Someone wrote a, in universe a Mr. Incredible jingle and we hear it.
1: Yeah, the best example of that is the way that Guardians of the Galaxy uses all of its music. Yes. That's probably like, the easiest way to most understand of that. Yeah.
0: Every time he plays the Walkman, that's diegetic. That's in universe. Right. What we're they,
1: the characters um, are listening to music.
0: <laughs> yes, but like Pixar seems to be really good at diegetic music. Mm. Like you've got a fr- well, like having You Got a Friend of Me play, having Remember Me. Having these like theme songs, like those Mm -hmm. are all really good examples of diegetic. Where most of Disney's best stuff is non-diegetic. It's like, well, in reality, this wouldn't be happening, or you wouldn't be hearing this. Right, Um, right. I was going to say one of the things we could talk about is like, what is your favorite score? Like, what, independent of lyrics and music, like singing. What is your favorite just musical motif? Is it Incredibles?
1: Oh, um, you know, I, I always love paying attention to score, and I for whatever reason, I'm unprepared for that particular question. Incredibles is a big contender for me, but I feel like there's something very obvious that I'm like forgetting. What what is it for you?
0: Well, for Pixar, it would be Luca. Like Luca just has the most like kids on a big adventure. Like it's so perfect for like the energy of that movie where it's like the movie's weirdly low key, but it's also like the most amazing things happening like that you could ever imagine. And it captures that energy perfectly. Like kids playing. Um, Mm. And for Disney, I hate to be like basic, but honestly, Little Mermaid, Mm. like Mm -hmm. that's the music that launched an empire. And you can tell it's just, it's like kind of just perfect. It's perfectly dreamy and winsome. It's everything Disney should be like dreamy and head in the clouds and Mm -hmm. like big, but simultaneously intimate and romantic. Right. I just, I can't think of anything that beats it in my head.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I guess my answer is incredible. You know, I never I never not get hype when I hear the Avengers theme. <laughs> and right. I honestly want to include it in here. Alan Silvestri is one of my favorite composers and um you know, we we don't need to like dip too far into Marvel, but like I love like superheroes having like a unique musical hook.
0: Yes. That is one thing they've gotten way better at. One, they're just giving all their heroes better themes. Like, like, Shang-Chi through most of Phase 4, like, uh, the Eternals get a banger. Shang-Chi gets a banger. Hawkeye has, like, a really distinct sound. Mm-hmm. Like, all of them are getting way more distinct sounds, which I really right. appreciate. But also, they're getting better at, like, l- tying them together. Exactly. Like, even something as simple as, like, any time, like, the Wakandans do something cool, having that Those sort of, drums. like, drums. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. like... Um, when the Dorj Mala, um do their stuff, right? having the, like, the whoop chant. Uh, mm-hmm. Or even, like, when Doctor Strange fights Thanos and you just get that little bit of sitar over, like, the sort of bombastic, like, epic score. Just mm-hmm. little things like that they're getting way better at. I mean, again, that's something I liked about the Mario movie. It's like, yes, there's a score, and then it's complemented by flowing through all these different, like, eras of Mario.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Based on the context.
1: I like wanted to circle back to like a little bit of like villain chat here. Um, mm-hmm. do you have like like well, I guess a favorite villain song, but like my favorite I have like sort of a, a favorite villain musical moment um, <laughs> that's like sort of not like an official song. I don't even know if it's really put on like any of the soundtrack but
0: I think I know what you're getting at. Here, what do you think I'm
1: what, what do you think I'm talking about?
0: Are you talking about Jafar?
1: Oh no! I when he sings like that, Prince Ali. Yes, it yes. is he. No, I'm talking about when, um, when Ursula like turned herself into a woman inexplicably named mm. Vanessa. Um, which is like maybe the, the 90s, most. 90. The late '80s
0: and '90s are very. They were very powerful in America, but they're basically driving our entire political right? apparatus into a ditch right now. They were terrifyingly <laughs> powerful.
1: And but when Scuttle like sort of eavesdrops on her, um, you know, in her boudoir singing that song that she, when she's just like oddly like giving a villain song while she's like in disguise and she's like, right. what a lovely little bride, I'll make my dear old look divine. Like I've always loved this get, like She basically evil. gets her own prize. Yeah. Like I love this, like because something about that was like so evil, but I just loved how like dainty and feminine she she seemed in that moment as she's like getting ready for her wedding day and she's like just like casually singing a villain song
0: yes um well my example of that is because Jafar doesn't get a song really Uh, at one point he did and they cut it from the movie and I don't think they ended up putting it in the Broadway show as best I can remember but anyway he does Prince Ali, he does a reprise of Prince Ali, but it's like a villain version. So he's yeah. literally pantsing Aladdin in front of yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> and, le- and, you know, Aladdin's like, Jeannie, you gotta help me here. And he's like, I, I can't, I'm sorry. sorry? And, yeah. like, I like it because I always hate the whole lie, like, and this isn't a hot take. The liar revealed thing in movies is always so annoying because it's like. Okay, so this guy was super nice, but because it turns out he misled you on this one thing, it completely invalidates every other thing he's ever done in his entire existence. Right. Like, the only time that's ever been a valid reaction is in School of Rock when they find out that Jack Black wasn't actually a teacher, because that's actually like, wait a minute, this person was around children. Yeah. What the fuck? Oh, no. Like, that's the only time I've ever excused it. Right. Like, like the one that always angers me is wedding crashers when they find out they're wedding crashers and it's like okay so you're going to date Bre- you're going to end up marrying Bradley Cooper who to this point has been a violent maniac. Yeah. Just because Owen Wilson stretched the truth on knowing you before he came to the wedding.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs>
0: um but that's a whole diatribe about how like romantic comedies need to make the romantic rival the most evil scumbag ever to justify themselves now but I digress. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like I like it cuz it's like yeah yeah, he's getting pants in front of Jasmine. But that's, like, the fourth most important concern here. This is, like, the right? entire city is collapsing into yeah, chaos. Yeah, this is a Thanos moment. the sorcerer has taken over. Yeah. <laughs> and is immediately, like, a slightly more successful version of Scar's, like, preening and, like, just, like, I love being king. And that's all, all right. I wanted to do. Exactly. It's like, yep, he's remaking the whole kingdom in his image. Right. And, you know, like, on top of, like, is is that your favorite...
1: Villain song, like, if you had, like, an official villain song,
0: you know, because we... I'm trying th- to remember what I said, because we did cover that, right? That was one of our topics in our Disney Villain episode.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, definitely uh, said, or maybe I, I guess I said Dr. Vassilier. We, we talk so much about <laughs> Princess and the Frog, it's hard to right. differentiate. It's like,
0: what episodes we actually talked on it get a bit fuzzy over time. Right,
1: right. But that is still, like, a genuinely creepy, give you heebie-jeebies, like, visually arresting... Sequence.
0: Yeah. Oh, I think one of the ones we said was Oogie Boogie because it's so (gasps) funny that his villain song is just, oh, it's a diss track. Fuck Santa Claus. Santa Claus. You suck.
1: You so fat. You so old. this is like, what I'm supposed
0: to be wearing. This about? is
1: Sandy Claus. Like, like, he's this the is...
0: king of the entire room. Come get you, Fuck yeah. this guy.
1: C- come, come get your Sandy Claus. Yeah, the at his own look
0: pants. Look he at him. He can't even see that his pants this are down. Him. He's Pathetic, so fat. Look at Dude. this punk. He like, can't dunk. I can dunk. I'm I can, a bag of bugs.
1: I could probably eat this guy, right? Yeah.
0: Dare me to could eat him. i decompose this man. I'm a bag of
1: bugs. Do you dare me to eat him? I will.
0: And the three kids are just like, this has gotten a little too intense.
1: Like, Yeah. I never, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. Oogie Boogie is my favorite because a village of monsters don't fuck with him.
0: <laughs> Even though he's just, yeah, he's a bag of bugs. No one right. wants to touch a bag of bugs. <laughs> Gross. I don't care that you could just slice him open. I don't want bugs right. crawling all around me. Gross. <laughs> I'm stressed out for now about one spider. You're telling right. me if to beat him, I'm going to get chased by like 20? Maggots? No. Yeah.
1: Yuck. <laughs> um, you know have we like I feel like more of the negative stuff has been like oh we didn't talk about love songs
0: oh, oh we gotta
1: we gotta talk yeah. about love songs right yeah do you have if not now when if not now never so, so like romance right like what are your what do you think are the most romantic Disney songs
0: yeah it's oh that's a tough one That's probably the topic I've thought about the least, but it's reality because it's like, again, they're playing off the traditional Broadway musical and the whole core of a Broadway musical is you have to have like the serious romantic pair and then Mm -hmm. maybe a comedic B pair. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, again, I'm going to be so basic with this, but like for me, it's Whole New World, I think is like Mm -hmm. the peak of like the romance song. Because, again, it, it's the balance of, like, it can exist in the universe of the song and outside the universe of the song. Um, although I am very partial to something there that wasn't there before. But, like, Beauty and the Beast has, like, three romance songs that all kind of, like, right. go one after another. Yeah. And something there that wasn't... Like, Beauty and the Beast is beautiful and sweeping. And it's like, yeah, this, this is how they got the Oscar nomination. But, like... Something that, that wasn't there before is, like, a really, like, organic, natural romance song. Like, it's the most about, like, oh, I'm falling in love with this person. I always and thought I really of really that as
1: that. a reprise.
0: Interesting.
1: You know, because it, it, Cause it repeats some of those reprise. motifs. Yeah, it's got a little mini reprise in it.
0: Yeah, I, I you know what? I'm going to say that one, if only to be slightly different and unique.
1: Yeah. No. I like I, how much of like a
0: story it. that one tells.
1: Yeah no I would agree I have kind of two answers for that um my probably my favorite love song of any Disney movie um, weirdly enough comes from Pocahontas <laughs> um a movie whose couple is extremely controversial um, but if you ignore that and you're if if you were <laughs> and boy it's do you have to if, barks. and boy yeah it's a it's a big ask I don't think you should ignore it but if you were just to, like, hear a love song, um, there's a song in it called uh, If I Never Knew You. Um, and it's often cut from, like, the televised versions of the film. It is often cut out for time. And, like, it's it's a song I actually didn't discover until much later, similar to your Spider-Man story. But it was because, like, they were always just sort of cutting it for time. Um, but it is, like, when John Smith has been captured and, like, Pocahontas comes to look into the eyes of the man who shot Coco Wum, as as she puts it. Um, They share this really, like, intimate song that I've always thought was just a beautiful song. Um, My second option would be um, I See the Light from Tangled.
0: That was a close one for me. That one's Carrie. I
1: really love that song. (sighs)
0: But I, I struggle so much because I'm like objectively this is the remo- like for me this is the most romantic scene it's just shot so beautifully it looks so beautiful and yeah it's such a cool beautiful moment but, it is yeah and I'm like would it survive without the song and I'm like yeah maybe
1: I think actually yeah I think so yeah I would agree um, but it's just too cute
0: <laughs> it is it's so beautiful. Um, I'm also just very partial to Kingdom Dance, like, the whole, like,
1: bit leading up to
0: that, where they're, like, actually spending time together. That's Mm -hmm. not, like, in constant motion.
1: Right, right.
0: Um, Yeah, that's a great choice. Um, Yeah, that's the frustrating thing about Pocahontas. It's sweeping and romantic and powerful and valid But you think about it for even Mm -hmm. five seconds, and the whole... Facade yeah, crumble. we can't enjoy it. Like you yeah. realize, everything's made out of like wood cutouts, and they're falling over.
1: Yeah. Okay, wait. Last rapid fire question. It's it's karaoke night. What are you picking?
0: Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I mean, as you know, I am not the I'm not the songbird of my generation. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, so probably something like bare Necessities" or like. Something that can wow. be kind of talk sung, like <laughs> like <laughs> he GD. does deliver it
1: like Johnny Cash a little bit. Yeah, he does kind of talk it out.
0: <laughs> yeah, like the fact that Bill Murray cannot sing objectively and yet like it still sounded good in the live action Jungle Book is all you need <laughs> to know. Um, probably leans mm. towards something like that. What are you? i I don't think I've ever heard you sing before. I I'm curious. You probably what you're
1: haven't. Pick. I. Don't know. Um, I would probably go the princess
0: route. It feels.
1: I would probably do some some reflection. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: that's interesting.
1: I've always loved that song. We did, we haven't talked at all about Mulan, which is an abomination because it has arguably arguably one of the most popular Disney songs ever written. I'll make a man out of you.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say. I do remember that, that's one I remember a lot growing up as a kid, because that one was always on, because it was like, oh, the boys and the girls can watch this. My house was very right. pink room, blue room sort of thing.
1: I see, I see, yeah. Um,
0: and I would argue that, um, I would argue that Girl Worth Fighting For is one of the best, like, if a oh. musical is about telling a story through song, what are the best songs? How?
1: How have we not mentioned Mulan in the hour and 24 minutes that we have been talking? Well,
0: okay, to be fair, We've, 20 of them were about politics and spider Yeah, Spider-Man. but, like,
1: we should have opened this whole thing with Mulan. Because you're right. Like, A Girl Worth Fighting For is an amazing song.
0: It's just, like, the best storytelling in terms of, like, because like it, it's both about the silly gender politics of the entire movie, right. but then, like, also, like, oh, yeah, no, there are stakes to this. Like... Right. Weirdly, out of that whole era, that's the one that probably bounces like that. We want to do a more serious tone with like the wacky hijinks, best because it's like, yeah. yeah, this is what it's like when you're in a military camp before you go off to war. You're goofing around. It's just a bunch of boys right. like playing games and throwing dirt at each other. And then when you get to your first front lines, you realize like, yeah, whether or not I get to see sunrise is dependent on how this goes.
1: And I've oh god. Okay, so. <laughs> I think it's official that, like, if we were to say what movie has all of the best songs in it, it's Mulan. Because now I'm thinking of the like opening, um, the opening when she's about to go visit the matchmaker. The one, part, what is that song called? Uh, this is what you
0: give me to work with. I like know I all the words like the to, to it, and I song can't. Or something. I will say I can't
1: think of of what they call it.
0: The live action Mulan is something I've wanted to talk about on here for a while, and someday we'll find a place to put it that sequence where is the closest I think the movie gets to being what it should have been because instead Mm. of having it sung, the sort of like um, the like lyrics or like the musical motif of it is playing. So do, 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 and then it's like to the rhythm of her getting makeup put on her. And then as it continues to play, as they go through their little like circular village and she's like talking to her sister and making fun of the whole thing where it's like, can you tell what emotion I'm doing? No, exactly. And I'm like, this is what the movie was supposed to be. But then, like, you yeah. got in your head about, like, like seven di- – you were trying to answer to, like, seven different markets, and then you didn't please right. any of them. And then it – I don't – did it even come out in China? I don't, no, it did. It just didn't make any money.
1: I think so, Which was, yeah. like, their
0: whole Hail Mary pass for the damn thing, and it didn't even work. And then it just pissed off people in America. Mm. But that's a story well, for another day.
1: we digress. Yeah.
0: I guess, like, to wrap this up – what is your, like, ideal... Like, what do you think a Disney song needs to be to be great? Like, what is the recipe? Like... And obviously, that's a little challenging, because much like animation styles, like, you have a different role for your villain, you have a different role for your lead, you have a different rule for romantic pairs and comedy pairs, but, like, if you were to distill what makes a Disney song good into one little droplet, what would you say it would be?
1: I mean, you know that I'm kind of a stickler for, like, elite storytelling, mm-hmm. and for me, it's like this is why I'm so drawn towards Lynn Manuel Miranda's work because I I love a song with with Easter eggs in it I love um, but but Easter eggs that like set up and successfully knock down some like emotional stakes and sort of reach from the past I, I love a Disney song that is probably in like the second or third probably the third act and um, that is pulling from the very beginning of what emotional stakes have been set up um, and deliver this character back around full circle. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, I put a lot of weight on um, storytelling, a song's ability to deliver an emotional message really concisely.
0: Yeah, I hate to be basic, but I'm going to kind of piggyback off of that. I guess for me, it's... Beyond just like the nostalgia and the winsomeness and like the dreaminess of me- the music, like where it feels like a fairy tale, I would say it's like yeah, I, a great Disney song is one that can explain the entire premise of the movie. It can be in any right. point in the movie, and everything you need to know about this movie is in that song. Mm-hmm. Do you have? So
1: we, what's what's a good example of that? Like. What are the songs that we think have done that best? Honestly, We Don't Talk About Bruno is popular for a reason. <laughs> yeah.
0: It captures the entire, like, this is a story about a broken family being put back together, like one of his fortune plates, like, carried mm-hmm. through this character who sees everything. Perfect. Right. Part of yeah. your world, this, like, sort of dreamy, like, ch- yeah. like, teenage excitement song about wanting to see the world. Um,
1: yeah. Specifically, one guy in the world. Yeah
0: specifically one guy in the world um gospel truth or zero to hero where you're just like Um, you understand the exact vibe energy tone pace movement style soul of this thing um Mm -hmm. i would argue that's probably the best in capturing that idea in almost every song like
1: yeah right
0: um honestly like even like i'll make a man of you is a good example of that because it's like that's sort of like Com- when you combine it with the animation it's like it captures the perfect amount of like the silly gender stuff but also like the epicness of it because the yeah. orchestration is just huge yeah hmm um yeah
1: and, we could probably talk forever about this <laughs> I was
0: gonna say we I did not expect us to go this long on this topic but there were so many avenues I know and like yeah right. th- this felt this was a really fun one to talk about
1: definitely yeah
0: <sighs> any parting thoughts before we wrap up for the day
1: no, now I just want to go rewatch some of my favorite musicals.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is the magic of the Disney desk, Disney magic. Yeah, no, no, Disney desk magic, baby. There it is. And until we're in a boat and there are lights all around us, or we're on a carpet, or we're underwater, or we're in a right. secret lost temple of monkeys. Um, yeah. I'm Carter.
1: And I'm Sydney.
0: Have a magical day.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: The Disney Desk is brought to you by Carter and Sydney.
1: Follow us on Twitter, at Disney Desk, for the latest updates about the show.
0: Want more of the most magical podcast on Earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon.
1: For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com disneydesk Disney Desk and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you.